Peekaboo. 1900, is that you? Gold is playing Peekaboo with 1900 all week long. We'll talk about it. Silver and copper look healthy. We're going to talk about that. Crypto weekend. By the time y'all hear this, I suspect, I strongly suspect that the crypto bros and babes are going to have had a hell of a weekend. We're going to get into that. We'll get into the major U.S. indices where everything is still awesome and everything is still good. The reopening is happening, so shootings are perking back up. We had another mass shooting in San Jose that we'll talk about. Amy Cooper is back. Biden wants to investigate the COVID origins. I had a vasectomy. A lot to get into. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the witty, the intelligent, the worldly, world famous, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode 119 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, the season of change is upon us. How are you, sir? How are you? What was the last item on the list there? Oh, I, I got a vasectomy this week. It's how I decided to start my week on Monday. Interesting. Go ahead. Um, yeah, you know, let, let, let's get right into it. So I, I, I say that the season of change is upon us because today I had the good fortune of celebrating our 18-year-old's high school graduation, right? And so that was obviously a milestone moment. And so he'll be on his way to the university here in August. And it also happens to be our 23-year-old's birthday. Um, and lots of families in town that we haven't seen for years, for a year and a half, two years. So that's been phenomenal. So Anyhow, I, I front ran all that by by deciding to go in and get what they call a no scalpel vasectomy. And I must say, Mr. Hodge, it was it's like a sledgehammer. What is that? No, no. You know what? My covid shot was worse than that. And I had a relatively very simple vaccine reaction, which was not much other than a really sore arm. So, you know, the wife and I. Uh, we'll get personal a little bit, right? So I'm 42. I'll be 43 in October. The wife celebrates her 40th birthday. We have three beautiful boys. Um, and we've been just extremely fortunate, Nick. You know, professionally, things are great. Personally, things are great. The boys are healthy. They happen to be really low maintenance, responsible, hardworking, kind kids. We couldn't be any prouder. And, you know, we just, we, we've had a conversation for years about, do we really want to tinker with that and, 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 you know, risk, um, having a, a a kid in our 40s. You know, we started relatively young. And so the answer to that for years has been no. And 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 you know, we've talked about different forms of birth control and 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 you know, she's always been the uh the go-getter on that front and 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 the person that, you know, kind of um has 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 been weighed by the burden of being the person in the in our relationship that's responsible for the birth control. And so we we had a conversation about four or five months ago about you know, a vasectomy. And there's a gentleman here in Austin who um, basically invented the no scalpel, no needle, which is kind of like a bait and switch. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, vasectomy and everything I read about it seemed, you know, relatively straightforward. Um, I went in for a consultation. 10 minutes later, there was a young lady and the doctor numbing me down. They asked me if I wanted sedation. I am not somebody that you know, outside of a, a good vodka soda and a good glass of wine and an occasional puff of, you know, a, a, a vax with a little bit of cannabis flower in it. Um, other than that, I am not somebody that experiments or dabbles or ever has with any drugs. And so my body's really sensitive to it. I, I decided to go against the sedation route. And so 
they looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, well, just explain to me what's the point of the sedation if you're going to do a general anesthetic down there in, in, in the growing area, right? And uh, they said, well, it's just to relax you and just to take your mind off of things. I said, well, how long is the procedure? And they said, oh, the whole thing will take 20 minutes from the general anesthesia to completion. You'll be in and out in 20 minutes. I said, so it doesn't, the sedation actually doesn't help any of what you're doing. He goes, no other than just to have you more relaxed. I said, no, I'm relaxed, doc. Like, do what you have to do. And so I was awake for this whole thing. Him and I had a conversation about the publishing company and the financial markets. He told me about his six kids and his wife was um, coming in from a vacation and he had hired someone to clean the house, had a pleasant conversation with the young lady while my flaccid member sat there to the left and uh, the doctor went to work uh, over on the right. And 20 minutes later, the doctor said, wow, you did great. We don't get a lot of people to do it without sedation, but you're good to go. And um, I, I, I got up. They recommended um, some ice. They gave me a prescription for, and this I kind of had an issue with, I, but they ba basically gave me a prescription for 30 days of Vicodin, right? And I was like, I don't need this. And they said, well, most people get mad if I don't like prescribe it. I said, well, I, I, I don't need it. I'm good to go. Um, and that was it. So the first couple of days, you know, it was just no problem walking, no problem getting up and down the stairs. They told me to take a week off from the gym, which I haven't done in quite some time. So I was due for a rest week anyway. Um, you know, no sexual activity for a week or until you're comfortable and I'm comfortable. Uh, so, you know, it's been a hard week, pun intended. <laughs> And here we are. It's Friday, you know, aside from some bruising and some tenderness, um, good to go. I, I I went in at four. I was back at work by five. Um, and that was that. They gave me an antibiotic for a couple of days in case there was some sort of, uh, you know, potential for infection, which, again, with this whole no scalpel, um, no incision, no needle um, approach that they take, the risk is minimized. And so the only part that I actually even really felt anything was the portion where they make they make an initial small tiny incision right and that tiny incision is to allow them to numb the tubes that they eventually clip and so what they do is they do stick uh, a, a bit of a needle to kind of numb up the nerves along each tube right one on the right and one on the left and that's basically what carries the sperm and makes the baby so that's clipped um, and then they burn the edges off, Nick. And so that was really interesting because I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, what's that smell? And he goes, oh, yeah, we're, that, 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 that's just the tips of the, uh, of the, the vast deference, I believe is the name of the tube there. And so that, that's just the tips. One is done. He did the other one. I told him, thank you. He said, you did great. And that was it. Here I am a few days later. Um, didn't take any time off of work. Took some time off of, you know, the the, the workout regimen. Um, no sex for a week, which, hey, it's it's like I said, that, that, that wasn't the most ideal scenario, but you want to be safe with that. And no, I'm excited for the weekend, ready to go. A true stallion, right back to work. I thought you were setting me up for a, <laughs> uh, a joke, but n n n that wasn't the case. Was not the case. That was actually that was actually a a, a true story. And um, yeah, they'll they'll provide. I mean, the place is actually pretty neat. They'll provide a free semen analysis for life. So in 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 a couple of weeks, I'll go in and I'll provide them um, an analysis, and they'll verify that I am indeed sterile. And that I'm good to fire away. Mm, I think it wasn't long ago we talked about the semen kings on this podcast. You uh, 
<laughs> not going to be one of those. I'm happy and proud of my three guys. Um, I am I am excited that that the three boys will carry the torch well and do our family proud. And uh, yeah, looking forward to you know, um, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to just not not having that be something that's in the back of my mind. And you know, eventually the wife will have you know different uh options as far as birth control or no birth control goes and yeah no no good good all the way around and happy with the decision um sure there was some trepidation like well, how's it gonna react i mean what if the doctor messes up and everything went well everything went as well or better than than could be expected congratulations on the uh graduation that's a momentous achievement for sure thank you sir thank you sir i appreciate it um with that being said, listen, there's a lot going on. Let's get right into it. Um, gold, gold. We talked last week. Uh, we wanted to see break 1900 and, and do so on a closing basis. Um, I had said that I won't be convinced until I see it happen next week. So we'll see. But it it did it today. It played peekaboo all week long, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And look, we got all the all the CPI numbers and and, and the jobs reports and everything else. And um we closed at 1903. So what are you thinking on the go- in the gold space there, Nick? You like the positioning? You like the strength of it? Head fake? And we, I don't know. I don't know. We've been saying it looks good. Um, it's been doing a little different things. We talked about how it was inverse to rates and then it was trading with rates. And then you had, you know, rates dip a little bit here at the end of the week. And uh, right as it did that here, the last uh, trading day of May, let's call it, um, like you said, gold poked its nose right up above uh, 1900. It's showing 1903 on my screen right now. And um, that's a, a good place to be. You know, we'll see. It's interesting because uh, stocks continue to do well, which I know you wanted to talk about. But um, uh, the dollar has also been weak. We talked about uh, last week what a big move the dollar was having for a global reserve currency. And uh, over the past, uh, call it, day, I guess, um, certainly the last couple hours of today that the dollar really started to, to fall off uh, precipitously. And so uh, gold looking good and uh, uh, 1900 was was going to be a battle. And if it can stay above there, I, I think you got a, a good shot at going higher. The chart looks good historically. Uh, you have all the fundamental reasons. And so uh, the only thing I would say is um, if we're not approaching uh, the end of these stocks going up or a changing of the cycle, the only the the answer to your head fake, I guess, is uh, what I would say is we're having a bit of a cycling of the cycle, right? And we'll see if if that makes any sense. If we're because we get these meme stocks going back up and everything again from months ago, and so I'm not sure if this is going to be like a repeat of what we've seen over the past few months, and gold is going to go back down, or we're gonna. Uh, this is like the the catalyst to the to the next phase. So that remains to be seen, but I do like the setup. I agree. I, I agree 100% some context on the dollar. It was down just over 1% for the month of May. Um, you know, the S&P 500 had its fourth straight positive month. It's sitting there less than 1% from record highs. Um, meanwhile, inflation is running rampant everywhere. We're seeing it in quarterly earnings now. We're seeing it in MDNAs, CEOs referencing it. The Hyatt CEO was on TV yesterday talking about how difficult it is to fill positions. They have properties that are ready to reopen, but they have a 
one month lead time to hire staff because it's so competitive and they're having to offer more and more perks. And so good for the worker. I I would encourage anyone out there that's working on an hourly basis to negotiate well for themselves because they have a lot of leverage right now. It's not only tough to get uh, employees, it's tough to get uh, materials uh, as well. And so it's yet sort of like a, a, a double whammy of, of things pushing uh, prices up. And as you were just alluding to, it's not just the the inputs of materials that are going to be going up. You got the, the rising uh, labor costs as well. Agreed. Agreed. So look, long-winded way of saying that we don't know what happens with gold, but I do believe this next week is important. Um, And a part of why I believe it's important is because I think the markets continue higher. The overall indices continue higher. I I, I do, and I hate going with feeling, right? But I feel like gold continues higher for the simple fact that I think the crypto uh, currencies, uh, but all of them, except for the stable coins are going to have a hell of a weekend. I, I think they closed down and you're the chartist and more, more, more technical of the two of us. Right. But if, if, if we see the, the, the sell-off from the past week, and then we saw the recovery, let's talk Bitcoin. It, it got up to as high as 42,000, um, on, on some okay volume, but the volume was really there on the sell-off. The pushback up to 42 was on moderate volume. And then we saw a last couple of days where, look, Bitcoin closed at the low end of the 36 range. Ethereum closed at 25, 26. Um, Those exchanges don't close. I think it's going to be an interesting weekend to the downside and not to the upside. And I think you talked about, you know, the uh, sector rotation and the cycle out of a cycle. And I think maybe the next the next little bit of uh, of capital to be reallocated into the gold space, I think some of it might come from the crypto bros and crypto babes out there. The last time it went to 30,000, which was the number we were talking about uh, last week, was sort of uh, earlier this year, the first week of this year, let's call it in January, uh, Bitcoin was really tested in the 30,000 level. And then it just rocketed higher. I mean, obviously more than doubled to, to 60,000. But if you look at the chart, it it, it knocked on 30,000's door multiple times, four mm-hmm. times, but four times by my count. And it's only done it very, very briefly and violently um, in this most recent um, halving, let's call it. And um, it could certainly test that level again. And then um, but you gotta, I can't tell you if it's going to hold or not, uh, <laughs> but if it doesn't, then it, it can go even obviously lower from there. And so, uh, like you were saying last week, uh, they're going to get their metal tested for sure. For sure. Um, copper, yeah, copper and silver look, silver kind of falls under the banner of gold, right? If, if gold has a good week, you can almost bet that silver is going to have itself a good week. That was the case. It's flirting with 28, but copper did well and, and, and rebounded well. It, it closed right at the 461 level, hit a high of 466, um, this week. Of course, that's off from a, from an all-time high of 484 a pound, but Copper looks great to me. I think some of the sell-off that happened in a few of the copper names, we got some of that back later on this week. Uh, Western Copper and Gold had had a big week and a couple of other names. Um, Still some bargains up there. I can tell you that the June 6 elections out of Peru will be somewhat consequential. And I actually believe more to the upside if Castillo loses, right? The the, the left leaning Castillo that is is the the mining boogeyman is is how he's being painted. Um, if 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 he loses, I think you're going to get 
a rip in stocks like Regulus and Hannon um, and some of the other names, Chakana Copper, names that have a lot of Peru exposure, obviously, uh, but a lot of copper exposure as well. And so it could be the best of both worlds there. If Mr. Castillo does win, I quickly expect a real analysis to take place of the way that laws are passed in Peru and the fact that even if Castillo has socialist aspirations of nationalizing everything, which he has already refuted, um, it's going to be tough to be really, really horrible to business. It doesn't mean things won't get tougher um, specifically for producers, but I don't think it'll trickle down in a severely consequential way to the explorers. So an opportunity there. And again, something that I'm watching here in the next, um, you know, nine, 10 days or so. When is the Peru election? June the 6th. June the 6th. Yeah. So the end of next week. Um, Copper strong for uh, clear reasons. You got the global reopening underway for one, but I also can't go uh, a day without uh, reading some seemingly big or huge or bigly announcement about um, emissions reductions or electric vehicle launches and electric vehicle stocks have actually uh, made a turn, by the way, going back up. Lithium had a good day, by the way, as well. Lithium mm. stock. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, you know, there was a big ruling uh, against Shell this uh, week that they had to reduce their uh, emissions faster than expected. Ford had a pretty successful rollout of their all-electric F-150 with something like 40, 45,000 reservations in a very short window of time. And that had a pretty good price point. And so, um, you know, uh, all that needs a a lot of copper. And so, I mean, it's sort of obvious, but uh, that's going to continue. And even names like Rio Tinto that have sort of uh, pulled back, I was looking at the other day, and I think uh, are still values here over the uh, next couple of years. The Peru election specifically, I mean, uh, Castillo was uh, ahead in the polls the last time I checked. That was probably uh, three days ago, but by a significant enough margin that I sort of notched him as the winner in my head. I don't know if you've got any more updated intel on that. But uh, like you say, it remains to be seen, even if he's elected, what sort of uh, reach he'll have and and how long he'll have. uh, He'll be in power, right? Agreed. Agreed. And look, you know, as in Mexico, as in with the United States and the media where, you know, it, it, it seems less and less reliant on facts and more and more on which uh, ideology or political party the network identifies with. It really depends on where you get your news, right? And so there are some local, um, national, I should say, Peruvian uh, publications that have Castillo up three, four, five points, um, some more, um, some less. And so uh we'll know soon we'll know soon enough and then again i think that's when the real regardless of who wins i think we will start to get a more in-depth analysis of what's actually feasible what's actually on the agenda right what 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 is the uh the the worst case scenario and what's the most likely scenario um and 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 with that being said i think you know there, there, I, I still believe there's an opportunity in the in the Peruvian copper stocks, specifically the explorers. You mentioned Rio Tinto. I mentioned Western copper and gold. And the reason that Western copper and gold had such a big week is because Rio Tinto decided to take a stake in it, right? And so That's all right. of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden you have you know a project that has a net present value in the billions of dollars, right? 
with a market cap, even after the, the, the new 52-week high that Western Copper and Gold reached, a market cap of less than half a billion dollars Canadian. And I think Rio Tinto sees the value. I like a deep-pocketed partner um, coming in because that's what it's going to take if that project is ever built. And look, there's I, I still think there's plenty of upside from these levels. And I think that stock specifically kind of speaks to what I, I, I often cite in the gold space right now, where people think, rightfully so, that it's boring in gold right now, right? You look at a Magna Gold and it looks like it's flatlined for, I don't know, the past five, six months, it seems like it's just between 80 cents and a dollar, right? With with small breakouts to a dollar five, a dollar 10, but it just kind of bounces back and forth. Magna Gold will be a three, $4 stock, I think, by the time the year is out. If it's not taken out, because of how 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 cheap it is right now, um, but back to Western Copper and Gold, that stock did the exact same thing. It was boring forever. I bought it at a dollar forty seven um, last July in 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 the service in Junior Resource Monthly, um, and it just sat and it sat and it sat. And I had subscribers write in and say, "Look, this thing is not doing anything. Why don't you replace it?" But you know, some of the new pumps and some of the new dumps and some of the new sexy names that are out there. And, I said, no, I like the team. I like the asset. I like the scale. I like the NYSE listing. I think it's a great way for institutions to play it once it starts getting on the radar. Um, and sure enough, that's happened in a really consequential way the past month, going from you know two bucks to a high of three thirty-five earlier today. And so um, those are the kind of moves that can happen in a hurry. And if you were out of the stock the past month, you just missed a 45, 50% run. You know, you missed the fun part. And, you know, in the letter, we're up over triple digits now and and it's got room to head higher. The same thing's going to happen with the Magna Gold. Um, the same thing's going to happen with uh, Nomad Royalty. Um, and then th- that, that those are all the free names that you're going to get for today. But these are stocks. I'll give you one more. Revival Gold's another one. Um, these are all stocks where they're anchored by robust resources. They have excellent, competent management teams, good jurisdictions. Um, and nobody cares right now. I like buying when nobody cares. I also have the patience and discipline to wait that out. And I don't mind being wrong on a trade or a long-term buy for months on end. Uh, because if I'm right, when it turns, it's usually worth it. So long way of saying a lot of value in the gold space still. Uh, $1,900 gold. If we never make new all-time highs, uh, there's a lot of names right now that are triples, easy triples by year end. Gotta have patience to be a contrarian. Your what, what? What's Rick's uh, Mr. Rick rule? Look <laughs> at me name dropping. Uh, his famous. <laughs> what's Rick's famous quote? You're either a contrarian or you're a victim, right? That's it. I like it. Your friend Rick, right? <clears throat> oh, made mine and yours. <laughs> uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Amy Cooper is back. Did you see this? This is the the bird watching uh, incident, right? Yes, this is the white woman, and I only cite that because it became about race when she made the phone call to nine one one on a black bird watcher in Central Park last Memorial Day. And so I don't know if her PR people. This is what she did before, by the way. I don't know if it was her or her PR people that decided, hey, Amy, you know what would really get you like back in the good graces of America and everybody who thought that. You were one of these, you know, angry, racist white women that wanted to just victimize a black just because he told you to get your dog on a leash. Um, You should sue your employer who 
fired you. The employer, by the way, isn't like a small outfit. It's Franklin Templeton. Um, so she sued them and said that she filed a federal lawsuit, Nick, and said that the incident that led to her firing was never properly investigated and that she she was being discriminated against because of her race and gender. How you like that one? That's some gaslighting stuff, boy. <laughs> I can't make this up. I mean, we'll put the link up. This lady is, um, uh, man, I, I, you know, I, I wish her the best. I hope she gets help. I'm glad that the phone call she made, uh, which was a serious thing because we see how police sometimes respond um, to white women saying black men are threatening them. Luckily, this was all recorded um, and it was clear that she was just making it up and, 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 and using, you know, the I'm a woman and I'm in distress and, you know, scary black guys around me. Please help. Please help. That's actually what she yelled right on the on, on the phone call. I, I'm so I'm glad it didn't escalate from that. But the fact that she's got the gall to come back and now just be like, man, I was only fired because I'm white and I'm a woman. Scary avian enthusiast. <laughs> Uh, what else do we got to get to before we take off, Nick? Um, the January 6th commission was shot down uh, by Republicans. I was um, not surprised. I was also not surprised that the Republicans that voted for an inquiry, an independent inquiry, because who wouldn't want to know what happened, how it happened, who allowed it to happen, to happen, who encouraged it? You know, we're, we're, we're politicians that are elected by the citizenry in cahoots with these fuckers. I would want to know all of that, right? We, we, we had like 113 investigations on Benghazi and Hillary and the emails and entire stadiums yelling, lock her up. And hey, part of the course, sure. Politics, I get it. I'm not the biggest Hillary Clinton fan either, but I, 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 I think this is shameful. I think it's an attempt to rewrite history that was recorded on video. You're not going to be able to whitewash this Republicans that voted to not have an independent commission. And so Lisa Murkowski criticized her fellow Republicans and said that making a decision for the short-term political gain at the expense of understanding and acknowledging what was in the front of us on January the 6th is shameful. So we are either going to do everything in just one election cycle after another, as we always have, or we are going to acknowledge that as a country that is based on these principles that we say we stand for of democracy that we hold so dear, have to do something different. I thought it was clear. I thought it was timely. Um, Lisa Murkowski, you know, ran as an independent the last time she was out in Alaska, though she grew up you know, under her father's mentorship as a staunch Republican. And I think we need more voices on both the right and the left that can just call things what they are, right? Call it like you see it. Just call it like you see it. It is what it is. If it's wrong, make it right. If it's right, don't call it wrong. And let's just get on with being better. Doesn't seem that difficult to me, Nick. Except it has been for years. And I mean, you got some pretty uh, staunch partisan uh, ship right now. And so 
uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, how long this tribalism lasts because uh, you're at the point now where you're literally denying, like you say, uh, <laughs> reality. Reality? Reality that's like on film? Yeah, exactly. Well, we talked about last week, the guy who said that it was just another day <laughs> and then we had the pictures of him barring up the thing. And so, yeah, I mean, what else can you say about that? And, um, uh, I just wonder how long it's going to last. I think that's why so many people are just sort of Fed up, uh, fed up with both exactly. sides, right? Yep. Yeah, he, he the, the 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 gen the gentleman, the guy. I don't want to call him a gentleman. The, the 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 politician that said, yeah, it was it was you know it was like another day or whatever it is. He said he also said it was mostly just tourists out there. Is that that's who he was afraid of? The tourists. That's who he was closing <laughs> the door on. Uh, let, let, let's talk Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe Biden. Um, he's, uh, he's not afraid of an investigation. He wants to investigate, or at least he says he does, um, COVID's origins. He says he's, um, there's intelligence that wasn't looked at and he's allocating, um, extra funds to have it looked at. He wants to know, uh, in, in better detail, just how much information the United States has on the actual origin of COVID, which again, yes, we should be all for truth, right? Is the expense worth it? I'm, I'm not, I'm not qualified to speak to that. I don't know what these investigations cost. I don't know what's reasonable, but I can tell you, um, the world was shut down for a year and everybody was impacted in one way or the other, some more than others. We should, at the very least, as a as a, not just a country, as 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 a, as a as as a global human citizenry, want to know what happened, where this come from, does this come from a lab? Did it come from you know whatever it is? Let's get to it so that we can try to prevent this. Right? We would want to prevent this, I would think. Well, I think that's the important part, and um, if you remember. Uh, I think another important part is that, you know, anyone who questioned the narrative early on was uh, ostracized and uh, frankly canceled. I mean, this is what Zero Hedge had its account suspended from Twitter for, for the, if you remember, uh, for saying that uh, the virus might have come from a lab. And so uh, here we are over a year later and now Wall Street Journal is writing about it. New York Times is writing about it. Fauci says he wants an investigation. Uh, Biden says he wants an investigation. Uh, I spent a bit of time uh, reading this week. Did you read about the copper mine? Of course, it's the fucking miners fault. Um, <laughs> there's like this. Did you read about the mine? There's this abandoned copper mine in uh, outside Wuhan. Right. And. Um, in 2012, these guys, did you read about this? No, 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 no. no. I missed these it. guys it's been a week. who were cleaning, who were cleaning <laughs> up a bat shit in the uh, bats, right? Gerardo bats. Yeah. Were cleaning up bat shit in the, in this, uh, in this disused copper mine. It came down with a mysterious illness. This is nine years ago. Huh. And, uh, they had whole big studies about it. People wrote their, their thesis on it. It was determined to be some new sort of, uh, coronavirus. And uh, then they started studying this coronavirus that they found in the uh, abandoned copper mine in the bat shit. And they identified new sources of coronavirus, etc. Yeah, there's a whole big write-up in the uh, Wall Street Journal about it this week. And now the WHO is saying that 
Uh, China was surprised, not transparent about the research that was done on no this, way. Uh, this coronavirus from the bats, et cetera. They didn't have enough access. They weren't allowed to interview the scientists. And so, uh, yeah, some real credence to this theory here. Investigate away. I want to know and I want to avoid it. I don't want to go through this again. I don't, you know, this, this is, this is not sustainable, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, just a reminder that uh, to question the narrative and to and to push back, right? Yes, and that it doesn't make you a traitor or not a patriot or less patriotic to question and want to know the truth of a thing, everyone. We should all strive for that, I would think. It's it's what I teach my kids, you know, since since they were little, I've always taught them that they could debate their way in and out of any form of discipline, whether it's I took their electronics away or they got to stay home for a couple of days or wh whatever it may be, but they have to do so in a respectful way. They have It has to be fact-based. And, and once the logic is proven true or false, then they either win the debate and get their privileges back or they lose and the punishment stands. But, you know, I've always done that because I want them to be critical thinkers and look at things in a factual way and know that there's, you know, that there should be rewards and consequences for being right and wrong. So be careful when you speak. And it seems like we just continue to go further and further away from wanting to know the truth of a thing. And it's more and more towards just wanting to be right about whatever came out of our mouth, regardless of how informed we are about what came out of our mouth, right? Uh, right and worse, uh, you know, politically correct, I think. Is, mm. uh, you know, what I wanted to say is that, you know, uh, certain cohorts didn't like the president at the time calling it the Wuhan flu. Uh, like I said, there was media companies banning people from, from saying as much on their platforms. And so it became almost a political thing to, to question the origin of the virus, just like the masks, which is a totally non-political thing, just like where the virus came from is non-political. And then it's sort of uh, becomes a partisan thing. And then, you know, we were just talking about that 10 minutes ago about how uh, we're denying reality for, for politics sake. And in this case, you, you literally denied reality for a year uh, of where this virus may have potentially come from uh, because it wasn't, you know, uh, appropriate to do so. And I think that's scary and dangerous. Scary and dangerous indeed. Um we could go on forever, you know. Let's 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 save the San Jose shooting for next week, Nick. It's it's Memorial Day weekend. It's um, you know it's a weekend to reflect, and um, I'm fortunate and blessed to be around a lot of family, a lot of milestones this week. Um, thankful to you know live in a country, especially with my father here from Mexico, who I haven't been able to speak frankly with for over a year and a half because the phones are monitored, right? In, in, in Mexico right now, it's, it's the stories that I've heard from him about what's actually going on in our town are just, they're, 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 they're frankly horrific and heartbreaking all at the same time. And we're losing generations of, uh, of kids out there. It's going to be extremely, extremely consequential. But I, I say all that to say that I'm extremely thankful for this country and for all the crazy shit that we do here as Americans. Um, I, I, I wouldn't pick another place to, to, to start a family, to, to start a business, to, 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 to live. And so extremely thankful on this Memorial Day weekend. We'll leave the shooting next week. I want to end it on a positive note. Did you hear about the young lady who won the vaccine lottery in Ohio? 
I know I saw there was a vaccine lottery, but and there was a winner, but I didn't see who it was. So it, it it's extremely ironic. It's a 22 year old woman, Abby Bujenski, and I'm sure I butchered her last name, and everybody does it to mine. So my apologies, Abby, if you're listening out there in Ohio. But you know, she was on her way to buy a used car, and um, got a phone call. And thought it was a prank. And, you know, they're telling her that she won this million dollar Vaximillion lottery um, that was aimed at increasing the number of people getting the COVID shot. And they said, no, no, no. And then so after some back and forth, she um, she realized it was it was it was not a joke. And she was indeed a million dollars richer. And so the irony in all of it is the fact that she had already gotten her vaccine prior to the announcement of the Vaximillion lottery. So she gets the best of both worlds. She had her vaccine. She's good to go. And now she's got a cool Millie. Congrats, Abby. Only in America, everybody. Only in America. I am Gerardo Del Real, who along with his brand new vasectomy is your host of episode 119 of Bizarro World, along with my co-host, the witty, the smart, the intelligent, the technician, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 119 of Bizarro World, as I just said. Nick, you want to send us off? I'm looking forward to not as hard a weekend as a week. That's it. Hope you had a good long weekend, everybody. Enjoy, everyone.